Welcome to GleeCast, the somewhat occasionally weekly home of Glee and casting. Here are your hosts, Emily and Erica. Well, howdy and happy October. <gasps> it's October. I know. It's the first time we've podcasted in October today, this month. This year. year. Yeah, I mean, we did it last year, but it, it was awkwardly phrased. But it's October. Hooray. <laughs> Have you been Octobering? Um, no, and perhaps the worst thing that I haven't done that I'm supposed to do in October is replace the registration sticker on my car. Oh, that's like a real life thing. It is now expired. I mean, the new sticker is in my glove compartment. I just haven't put it on the windshield yet. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, because you have to like get the razor blades, take off the old sticker to make sure oh, there's God. nothing left I, behind. I just assumed it was a sticker you could put over things. If I had no, no. a car, I would still have the sticker on there from like 1995. So <laughs> You'd have many tickets. I would, I would. And I would assume I paid them and then find out I didn't. And then realize in a credit check that I'm screwed when I try getting an apartment, which is my fear. I have a fear because I, I, you know, as you know, I'm apartment hunting and I just have this like awful fear that I'm going to, I don't know, something from my past is going to come back to haunt me. Okay. I don't know what, or maybe. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. Or a haunted apartment, which I'm kind of looking forward to. I won't lie. Well, my last one's not haunted. It's more that, um. No, no, no. The one before this, it was haunted by dead pizza, remember? That's that's true. I did have a dead pizza ghost in my previous apartment. (laughs) apartment, I don't have a ghost, but I do have neighbors who on Sundays um, sing along with gospel music or tribal chanting, uh, which has been great. And that might have kept the ghosts away. But I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm ready for a ghost again. It's been a while. Well, if you're an avid listener of GleeCast, then you've heard your neighbors in early uh, That's true. Season. You have, at, like, literally heard them through the walls. Yes. Um, I really hope I get, like, one more day of them being especially loud before I move, because it would be sad if I didn't. Well, there's a whole month, so. Yeah, that's true. I just have to make sure I'm home on Sundays the next couple uh, couple of weeks. Um, so you want to talk about some TV? Sure. Um, so another week of TV. What have you been watching this week? Um, before we get into Glee, which we will do, because we're GleeCast. Hi, Emily. Yes. Oh, I know, Erica. <laughs> Excuse me. Just in case we forgot that. Um, um, what have I been watching? Oh, I watched, um, I think I forgot to tell you to DVR this one, but I forgot myself until it was already 20 minutes into the episode. Yes. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Okay. It was, I kind of half watched it. Actually, I managed, well, I forgot to DVR it, and then it was actually on demand, so I was able to watch it that way. Um I didn't pay 100% attention. It was interested, interesting. I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, the problem is definitely that if it doesn't last, it's going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, so they, I'm going to wait it out. So many questions already in just the opening and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so- I'm going to wait that one out. I'm not. If it's one of those maybe we'll give answers shows, I'm not, not doing it. That's why I'm not doing Revolution. Right. For now, I'll stick with, you know, watching it on demand when I have time and go for it. Um, what else started? Um, I didn't get, I didn't quite catch up on all my Monday night TV yet this week. So I haven't watched a second episode of partners yet. Um, I did watch how I met your mother. It was a good second episode of the season. Um, and they still have not announced that this is the last, right? No, I think they got they're they're signed on for two more seasons, I believe. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. Um, I watched New Girl, which was technically the third episode because there were two last week. That was good. Okay, can't do. Did you last week 
Were you not proud of my... I was proud. No, I don't watch New Girl, but I DVR'd The Mindy Project. And last week, um, they had the end cap of New Girl on in the recording of Lee Project. And it was literally like 10 seconds. And I'm That's looking at this. I'm like, holy fuck. That is Kenya from Cycle 4 of America's Next Top Model, guest starring on, on New Girl. I don't think I would call it a guest star. <laughs> well, whatever. She was, she was, in, was she in the whole episode or no? Well, um, you're, you're right. Well, starring, she, was, you know, she was through the whole... <laughs> His whole um, B line, B story. Okay, line. so she was she was in the whole episode. Yeah, but I don't okay. foresee her coming back anytime soon. She was a character okay. sister. But I I have to say I you know I mean we all have things we're proud of, and there are things that I'm more proud of in life. Um, but I was really proud of myself that I was able to spot one of the many girls who has been a contestant on America's Next Top Model from like six years ago. Now I'm like that's Kenya. You didn't believe me, but I looked it up, and sure enough, it was Kenya. You might remember her as the girl in the African cycle who got fat um, and then uh, had a shouting ma- match with Brittany. <laughs> yes. Very yeah, exciting. Yeah, again, proud of me. I'm proud of you, too. Um, oh, speaking of reality shows, dude, now I'm kind of annoyed at this, but there's a part of me that's happy. So I didn't know this was going to happen again. Project Runway All-Stars is happening again. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> well, because, I am, but I'm not. Well, because it's going to interfere with TV. But just... Again, just, I thought, like, I got to... Because I haven't even watched Parks and Rec yet this week. Because I keep forgetting that I'm supposed to watch it online. And when you watch something online, it takes, like, 95 minutes. Because you have to watch those fucking commercials. Well, Emily, just record Project Runway at 1 a.m. Is it on 1 a.m. that night? Or is it 1 yes. a.m. the next day? No, it's on 1 a.m. that night. And then, like, I like watching Project Runway on Thursdays. I know, but you have to sacrifice somewhere. Ah. But, so now, what are you, I'm... Well, you can... I'm pretty sure that most of the NBC lineup is on demand. If you go to On Demand Primetime and then NBC, I'm pretty sure most of their shows are there. What? Do they do commercials on demand or no? Um, it depends on when you watch it. Like sometimes if it's the first week that something's showing, there's commercials and you can't fast forward. But at least you can watch it on your TV and not on the computer. True, true. Good point, good point. Um, so Project Runway All-Stars, I'm excited that the gay version of Miles from Show Show is back. Yes. Anthony? And Andre is back. Andre is which back. Which I'm but so excited not about. Tim Gunn, because Tim Gunn doesn't do this one. It's going to be evil Tilda Swinton. <sighs> I know, but I love Andre. I kind of also love Evil Tilda Swinton. <laughs> I love her too. She's great. Because she, like, it's clearly, she's clearly not a people person. No. Um, I mean, she is like an editor-in-chief. She is a powerful woman, probably very good at her job, very talented. Um, but she is not someone who's supposed to be a mentor. No. And so you could see, like, her trying to relate to the designers is very... Like, she has to kind of twist her body and face to be nice to them or to be understanding. (laughs) And it's pretty amazing to watch. So I love that aspect of it. However, that, ugh. Now, the thing, annoying thing about um, Project Army All-Stars is that they're clearly not going for talent. They're going for personality. Which is why fucking Suede is back. Do you remember Suede? I don't. I I don't remember the commercial. He got kicked off in like the second or third episode because he sucked. He was not talented. He was not good. He wasn't creative or good at construction. So it was one of those like they put him on there to have a personality. Talked about himself in third person all the time. He tried to have a catchphrase. I can't remember what it was, but it was really not good. And he was the most annoying 
personality that show has ever had. And they've had some fucking annoying people. And he's back. He's not a fucking all-star. He's just named himself Suede because he's stupid. So I'm going to be annoyed at that. Well, he'll probably just go home right away again. So, I mean, that, yeah. I mean, for the most part, on the last all-star season, I will say... If memory serves, I did feel like the judging was like the right people generally went home when they should have. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully. And it's a new host, too. It's not the other robot. It's probably a new robot. Sweet is from cycle five. Five was who? Was that Leanne? I don't I don't know. I'm just looking at the casting for it. Well, season five, but right? Apparently, Apparently, his designs can be seen on celebrities such as Britney Spears, Brooke Burke, Jennifer Aniston, Jessica Simpson, and Christina oh, Aguilera. So can mine. I mean, um, they can't, but you know, if I, that's that, oh, no, I don't. I, his resume. I know who I'm annoyed is back. Casanova. He was the worst. Oh, I hated no, him. I I remembered not liking him at first because I thought he was kind of a put on, but then he was kind of entertaining, and I thought his his designs ranged from totally tacky and awful to occasionally creative and done with skill and like here and there he would do something really good and then he would do something offensive so i don't know i i don't um i'm kind of happy to have him back i am glad Uh, josh is back i did like josh (laughs) josh um gay josh who looks like the lead singer of um the killers oh gay josh from the anya season uh yes okay he was good he just was such a bitch uh okay yeah five was the leanne um season with kenley that was the kenley and jarell season oh i like kenley but she was the last all-stars right yeah oh yeah oh but no no no. there was a good um uh laura bennett the redhead who had like nine kids she keeps a pretty good blog of project she's done it since her time on the show um and she had a post about that uh, episode and said that Kenley was such a cunt, essentially. Oh, wait, when she did this season? You when mean they when did, they dressed her? Season, they had the, yeah. yeah, they had she to dress Kenley her. She was just so rude and really? ungrateful and just kind of an awful person. I feel like and she probably I, is a terrible person. I just really like her design aesthetic. Yeah, I can see that. Because yeah, that's... Laura, the editing was way too kind to her. I'm like, ooh, bitch talking, love it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'm wrong. Suede stayed on. Suede was the fifth one from the end. But I remember him being awful. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't remember him at all. I And I watched the commercial and I didn't remember his face. You'll remember um, him when he talks about himself in third person. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, oh, other TV? Yeah, other TV. Sons of Anarchy. Are you current? Yeah, uh, no, I'm about. halfway through tonight's last night's episode. Oh, okay, I haven't watched last night's episode. Okay, okay, so we're yeah, we're on the same page. Uh shit happened. Shit oh, went oh, down. Shit happened. Um, if you are my friend on Facebook, you saw that I got very, very angry last Tuesday night mm-hmm. because I had not started the season yet, and someone on Facebook who I barely even speak to took it upon themselves to post a major, major spoiler for the episode that had aired not 30 minutes prior. And I was incredibly angry and called that person out on it and got a half-hearted apology. Did you kill their family? Um, no, but let's not talk about that on air. Okay. <laughs> Those plans are so, so in other words, you just eat somebody in the family with uh, a couple of crowbars. Yeah, pretty much. Um, sure. But yeah, things, shit's happening, and if you watch it, you know what's going on. But it's yeah. a, It was very dramatic. It was very upsetting. 
We're, do we have one more season of Sons to go? Ooh, good I question. Think, I don't think this is the last season. No, I don't think this is. I think next season is last season. Next season might be. I don't know if it's ending then or if it's just that that's when they're renewed until. So we'll probably find out at some point next season if it's the last or not. But I don't know that I feel Carl like Sutter has said I have an end date. I don't know. I feel like AMC is good about... It, it's on AMC, right? Yeah. It is on AMC, yeah. I feel like they're good Oh, no, it's not. It's on FX. FX. Oh. Why do you think it was on AMC? Then I take back my comment. I was going to say I feel like... Well, because AMC is good at ending things when they need to end. Well, FX like, has... I mean, I well, FX just... I don't know. Now that I'm saying that, I don't really watch... The only other thing I watch is Louie, so I don't know. Yeah, and I watch The League, which is only on season four, so the, like that doesn't need to end because it's hilarious. Um... I don't think I ever watched anything else on there that had, like, an end date. Right, right, right. So we'll I guess see. In but my head, I just compare Sons to, like, Breaking Bad, so I think it's all the same channel. The uh, the great thing about last episode of Sons of Anarchy was it felt like it was trying to be Oz, which just <laughs> made me really want to watch Oz. But it was a nice, like, oh, Oz, how I miss you. Um, but, yeah, hopefully that ends soon because I feel like they're reaching that point where it's just going to start to get bad. It's possible. It's already, like, this season feels... Uh, I don't know yet. It, it feels like they've moved in such a direction where they just have to start killing people and going really dark and having all this crap happen. And it it's a little depressing. Like, even right, from the very first episode, it was a dark episode. And it feels like, in part, it's, well, because what else can you do at this point? You have to start yeah. making shit go down. And I don't want to be miserable for the next two years, I guess. And I think that's why it needs an end date. An end date. Yeah. How, I'm always for how many characters? Happen. How many more characters can you kill before you don't have anyone from the original there cast? There isn't that many members left of a certain... Because I, I don't want to spoil it now. Let's just say um, the family in which a character died, there's uh, a lot of characters, family members of that family have died over the past four years. Yeah, so, seriously. Uh, there's, there's not many left. Uh, so did you watch the mini project this week? I did. It was very cute. I liked it. I actually liked it more than I liked the first one. And not just because they had the actress from Mommy Dearest as the nurse. <laughs> that did make me happy. Ratanya Ali. Aldi. Ratanya something from Mommy Dearest and uh, Amityville Horror 2. The nurse Always that they had her. to kill? I mean, that they had to kill. That they had to fire? <laughs> sure. I don't um, know. Yes, the one that they had to fire. She's great. She's, she's in Donnie Darko. Uh, yeah, she's been in a lot of things. Um, fun little character actress. Uh, the, she, oh, no, she's not in The Mist. Yeah, but I thought, I don't know, I found this episode quite good. I enjoyed it. I'm yeah. happy to see, because I think the worry I had with the show is that, like, oh, I don't want it to be another show about a woman who's just trying to get a guy, da da da. And it's really, I mean, it it is, but that's the joke of it, is just she is, that's who Mindy is. But I do love that she is also really good at her job. Yeah. And that just makes it work for me. So I was happy about that. And she's successful. She's not like, you yeah. know, she's not like working in a coffee shop. She's not a waitress. Right. Like she's, she's successful, yeah, she's but are more educated than any of us. And she yeah. just has to get the rest of her shit together. Mm -hmm. So I was happy with that. I found and I found this episode very funny. <laughs> yep. uh, SVU came back. I might be the only one in the world other than Ashley somewhere out there. Who cares? Uh, two hour premiere last week. It was odd because what's his name? Uh, Dean Winters from, uh, you know who Dean Winters is, right? Yes. And 30 Rock. He was, yeah, the Irish boyfriend. <coughs> he was in Oz for all those years. And um, 
he was on the first season of Law and Order SVU, and they brought his character back at the end of last season and for the first episode. But the weirdest thing is, like, they are showing the episode, and then the commercial comes on, and it's the Allstate commercial where it's him, (laughs) the Allstate guy. And it's a very strange choice, and I don't think it's a good choice, because it kind of takes something away from the drama of it. But anyway. I can see that. I like that actor. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, God. I had such a crush on when he was on Oz. And I guess he's a man. Yeah. I feel like I've only seen him as, like, fuck-ups, though. So, I don't know. I mean, my most familiar role with him is is Liz Lemon's (laughs) ex-boyfriend. Which, and it's actually a very similar role to the party had on Oz. Who was also, like, an Irish guy in jail and was kind of an asshole, but you kind of liked him just because he was kind of cute. But he did some really bad things. But in the end, you were totally rooting for him and he got the girl. So, you know, he just he's sympathetic because I think he's just kind of doofy and likable in that way. Um, I don't have any more TV. I have some other things. Do you have any more TV? Um, Face Off? Oh, I didn't watch it oh, yet. Oh, you didn't watch Last Night's? I didn't watch Last Night's yet, no. Okay. Uh, sorry, I, I, sorry to, I, sorry I to bring it. up something I didn't watch yet. Well, fine then. <laughs> Moving on. So, any more TV? Um... I'm trying to run through the schedule in my head. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I have musical stuff that I did. Uh, So last weekend or two weekends ago, I went to see a, um, at uh, 92Y Tribeca, they were showing Grease 2 on the big screen. That's exciting. It really was. Have you ever seen Grease 2? Um, I think I've seen most of it. I don't think I've sat through it in one sitting though. It, when you sit down and watch it from beginning to end with an audience, it, it's, fun and it's great and it has such a bad reputation because it was obviously Grease 2 and is very campy and I mean the songs are silly but they're really fun and in some ways you know ask me again in a year I think I'm going to prefer Grease 2 to Grease you think? I I really do think and I know this is probably heresy to some of our listeners but I implore you listeners and I know Angie is one who I think loves Grease sit down watch Grease 2 from beginning to end and tell me that it is in, there are no, uh, what's the word, lags in it. Grease, I think, is a little over long. Grease 2 moves from beginning to end. <laughs> Just The big songs are really fun, and the little songs are really short. So it's not like you ever have this, like, ballad where you're just kind of sitting back, like, waiting for it to end. No, the ballads are really quick, or they're really funny. So it's fine. And it's just fun. The dancing is really great. And I enjoyed the heck out of it. Good for you. Yeah. And then over the weekend, I went to see, uh, they were showing the director's cut for the first time ever of Little Shop of Horrors on the big screen. Very nice. Amazing. And um, so the director's cut has an alternate ending that's really dark. Uh, And they had, it was at um, the Lincoln Center Film Festival. So they had a couple of guest stars in person, including um, this dude named Frank Oz, (laughs) who you might know as Grover and Yoda and Miss Piggy. Um, they had, uh, Ellen Green, who of course plays Audrey, and they had Alan Menken, who wrote the music, as well as the music to Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and a whole lot of other stuff. And, um, Ellen Green sang somewhere that's green, and Ellen Menken played the piano, and it was amazing, and I cried, and are you okay? Did Mjornar attack you? She just jumped across me. Aww. She's like, she's a lunatic right now, I don't know what she's doing. She's like literally running laps around my room and jumping from like oh. the chair to the bed and then she just jumped on my chest and now she's in the window she's like freaking out yeah, yeah. let's get them <laughs> <laughs> jingle 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 <laughs> ow <laughs> now she's attacking you 
No, she keeps jumping over me and landing on my chest and springboarding off of my chest. You better hope she doesn't get bigger, because when Mookie does that, I can tell you, it's not fun. (laughs) She's six pounds. I don't even feel it. When Mookie does it, I lose. Six pounds, yep. Yeah, she's six pounds now. I, think I know that you really think she's going to be smaller than Joplin, but I don't think she is. I think I think she's pretty much done growing. Like I think she has may, maybe another pound in her, if that. We should start a, a competition, a betting competition for her listeners, which, <laughs> which guess the final weight of Mjorner and if she <laughs> stops Joplin. All right. Because we'll I think she's still like a teensy bit smaller than Joplin right now. I don't know. Joplin's pretty little. And if not, Joplin can always go on a diet. <laughs> we're gonna start exercise. starving our cats. I go to the gym. I can take her with me. All right, around the treadmill would be cute. This is a very tangent, of a random episode. Intro. Yeah. Uh, only last thing I was just gonna say was um, I guest starred yesterday on another podcast, podcast about honor and humanity, which is done by our friend Jake McLarge Huge, uh, and it's a podcast about Asian film. Um, and I guest on there with Metal Mikey from Action Attraction, and we talked about. Um, Pulse, an Asian, a Japanese horror film, and a crazy 70s Japanese disaster film called Prophecies of Nostradamus. So check it out if you're so inclined. Nice. Mm-hmm. Anything right. else on your end? Nope. Okay. Let's talk about Glee. Let's talk about Glee. So we had episode um, three. Three. What was it called? Makeover. Okay. I, I kind of guessed it was called Makeover. I just wasn't sure. And here's Glee Clap. Glee clap. Yeah, here's what happened on the episode. Let's get ready to debate. Bow ties, cute or creepy? Sarah Jessica Parker, cute or over? Rachel's makeover, sexy or skanky? These and several other questions get asked as Brittany faces off against Blaine for class president, with respective running mates Artie and Sam doing their part. It's ultimately the blam ticket that wins, although our adorable new Obama has some personal issues to confront when his New York-based lover seems distant, mostly because our favorite hippo-pin-wearing intern is busy befriending and impressing his designer-slash-editor boss. Rachel gets a Devil Wears Prada-esque makeover, prompting her to get overly aggressive towards that dude who's trying really hard not to be aggressive to her. They kiss just in time for a Bushwick doorbell to ring and a non-crew-cut-wearing Finn Hudson to dumbly stare. Also of note, Will is bored with Glee and might go away for a while. Somewhere, somebody cares. The vote was rocked, Rachel's door unlocked, and Treme was mocked, all of which you missed on... Glee! Um... Can we address the name of that show first? T-R-E-M-E. They Treme. called it I... Treme. That's what you said. I've always, always, always heard it referred to as Treme. It's not Treme. It's Treme or, or Treme. I think really? it's Treme. That's yeah. why, see, I totally missed that joke and didn't understand it because I had no clue what they were saying. Oh. Because I've only ever heard that show re- referred to as Treme. Well, in fairness, I haven't watched it. I don't. I wanted to watch it. The guy who did who did The Wire, but it's HBO, and I, right. I don't have HBO. Uh, my parents watch it, and my parents call it Treme. That being said, um, my parents aren't very good at pronouncing things. My mom, in particular, she has the Brooklyn thing where she. Uh, my mother doesn't have. I'm not saying my mom is a speech impediment or anything, but like my mom just has a mental block when it comes to pronouncing names that seem difficult. Uh, so she might be pronouncing it wrong, but I always thought it was. Crazy. I don't know. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. That is how you announce it. It's okay. um, it's the I'll, I'll name drop and call out who it is. It's Lisa's brothers who call it Dream. Dream. <laughs> do they watch it? They do. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Maybe they never say the name of the show. On I don't there. know. 
but I was super confused by that joke because I had no idea what show they were talking about. Oh, that's a shame because I thought it was a pretty funny joke. It was like I thought it was funny that they were hate watching it over Skype, but I didn't. (laughs) But you didn't know what they were hate watching. I was like, all right. Let's see. So should we start with um, who do you want to start with? What do we, do we also get Will out of the way? Sure. All right. Um, so Will has to host um, like the Glee Club National Board, which is good because it is kind of random of who's on there. But anyway, uh, and then he realizes he's kind of bored. And so he might go do this thing for the government where he's going to work for the arts. Um, gee, don't you uh, have a friend who you helped get elected to office who is in political office, whose platform was about giving to the arts? Yeah. They probably forgot about that. I guess they forgot about that. They didn't forget that Michael Hitchcock's character has swimmer's ear, though. They didn't. They actually, they were kind of good at a couple of different callbacks in this episode, Mm -hmm. which was surprising. Yeah, I would agree with that. But, you know, this episode, written by Ian Brennan, directed by Eric Stoltz. Yes. So, Ian Brennan, who has been with the show since, you know, before it actually was a show, and knows it probably very well, and Eric Stoltz, who... Um, has directed a lot of episodes and everybody's probably very comfortable with. Um, it wasn't Swimmer's Ear. It was Scarlet Fever. I, yeah, I corrected myself. Oh, did you? I did. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. It's okay. Never. And nobody ever listens to me. I apologize. I was yeah. too busy talking myself. That's um, cool. So do we care? Is Will going? Like, I like how he tells Emma. He's like, I have to leave the kids. Wait, aren't you getting married? Don't you also have to leave your fiance? Yeah. Do we do we care? Is this what are they trying to give Will something to do? I guess they're trying to give him something to do. But my question is how like who's going to take over? Like obviously yeah, we're not trying to say Sue. Can you do this? But like we're not interested in who's going to take over. <laughs> like I feel like it's too trivial a role for them to bring in someone new. Like unless they're going to bring back Gwyneth Paltrow for three right, episodes. Or... Like I don't know. I think it's just yeah. I, I don't care. I don't know. I I feel like they're. And if you're Matthew Morrison, you must be pretty frustrated right now. <laughs> but because essentially it's a show that when you signed on for the show, you were the star. And granted, you know, it was not a one man show, but especially you go back to that pilot and it's Will's story. And at this point, at this point in the season, I think uh, I won't say the majority consensus, but I think a lot of people and I don't know if you count yourself among them. I know I do. Would really like the show just to be a spinoff set in New York with, you know, Rachel and Kurt and bring Blaine there. And just, I don't know, I don't really need McKinley that much right now. And I feel like the show doesn't really know what to do in McKinley, which is why they're kind of wasting time on these new characters. And also kind of rehashing old stories. And with Will, they're kind of trying to give him something. But I just can't imagine anybody caring about Will's storyline right now. Yeah, I certainly do not. I don't, yeah, I they I wouldn't mind seeing it just go to New York. Yeah, like I want to see the wedding episode because I like wedding episodes. But that's then I'm really good. You can keep Emma if you want, but I really don't need Will Schuster anymore. No. Yeah. He's got nothing to do. Yeah. <coughs> so elsewhere at McKinley, why don't we? We'll do the McKinley first, and we'll go to New York. Okay. So we have the school election. Yes. Uh, Brittany is running and decides to have RDS a running mate. And on the flip side, Blaine, who's kind of trying to keep himself busy because he misses Kurt so much, runs and Sam becomes his running mate. Yes. Which 
Yeah, I, I, this story was like so inconsequential, and you know it's not going to come into play in the next in the following season. So <laughs> it felt really throwaway. Yeah, because I mean, how like think of last season? We had like four episodes about the class presidential election, and then nothing happened with it except for a dinosaur prom. Exactly. And they wasted so much time on it last season. I mean, they were very quick to point out numerous times (laughs) that it wasn't, it didn't come into play. So why are you making us spend an episode on it? It, And it was strange too, because if you think about it, it was almost like they were trying to say within this one episode, oh, look what we did in one episode. We did write what we couldn't do in four episodes last season. (laughs) It was like this, like, you know, revision of like, no, really, I can do it this time. Let me try it. Okay, sure. Oh, well, you could. Great. Good for you. But I saw it already. And that being said, I did kind of like that. I mean, again, this is a pretty inconsequential episode. Mm -hmm. But I think it was fun. And I think a lot yeah. of that does have to do with it was Eric Stoltz and Ian Brennan. And the election stuff was fun. The debate stuff was fun. Not the best, not the sharpest. But, you know, it was a, a good time. Just so throwaway. Yeah, there were, I mean, there were a lot of funny lines. But it, it nothing matters in the long run. So Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess Ow, that. Ow, biting me. Jeez. <laughs> talk to her uh is there anything else mckinley or should we move to uh new york um i think we can move to new york new york so kurt gets his internship at vogue and immediately uh becomes a superstar there because that's generally how things work oh definitely uh his mentor is or his boss slash new best friend is sarah jessica parker i don't know what her character's name is because she's essentially sarah jessica parker she's uh carrie bradshaw yeah or carrie oh. bradshaw yeah <laughs> a little, like a little yeah, no, you're right. She is Carrie She's Bradshaw. Carrie. That's exactly who she is. But her yeah. name, her character's name is Isabel Wright. Yeah, I don't even know if I care about that. I'm just going to call her Carrie Bradshaw <laughs> Carrie. or Sarah Jessica Parker, whichever. Um, no, but she really is in, in her, I mean, I, I'm going to say in her mannerisms and the way she speaks, mm-hmm. but you could play different characters and have different mannerisms and different phrases of, turns of phrase, and she doesn't. She's just playing Carrie Bradshaw. And I, in part, that's the issue of television actors. And Sarah Jessica Parker was, but prior to Sex and the City, had a very good movie career. She did. I, you know, she's not Meryl Streep. She can't go from, uh, you know, doesn't have the variety in her repertoire, if you will. But, you know, you can pick out a couple of roles where she is playing someone different. And, you know, for a while, she was somebody that was interesting to pop up on screen. When you play a character on TV, you you know, why a lot of movie stars don't like to do TV, you get typecast and it's very hard to break that. And especially with this character, uh, because if you, did you see, um, you must've seen it. Cause I feel like Lindsay in college, our roommate used to always watch it. Was it Miami rap city? No, where it's, it's, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, Antonio Banderas, Mia Farrow. No, no, it was very much, um, the template for Carrie Bradshaw it was a kind of romantic comedy, but it was sort of done. The movie was essentially um, like a Woody Allen movie, but with Sarah Jessica Parker in the Woody Allen role. And the opening scene is her doing a monologue, talking to her gynecologist, and then she narrates the movie. And I, she plays a writer. So you could see, I remember watching this and, and thinking, oh, this must be where they got Carrie Bradshaw, where Darren Starr probably watched it was like, hey, let's take this and let's just make her more fashiony. Uh, but I think ever since then, like, that's the part she plays mm-hmm. over again. And so in this, it's, you know, there's no doubt about it. You're watching Sarah Jessica Parker. And she's likable because she's yeah. that kind of actress. You you know, it's 
people, there was that kind of backlash against her for a while, but you know, there's a reason women loved her, but she's just so nice and there's no real drama or issue. And I don't know. So where's this go? I mean, he got the job on the spot and he didn't get in trouble for breaking in, in the middle of the night. night. So where's, where's the suspense and the drama? There is none. So like for a moment, (laughs) I liked the scene where she kind of had a breakdown and she's like, you know, I'm an artist. I'm not a manager. And because I think that's an interesting issue and, you know, that comes up in the work world where you're, you know, what you got hired for can sometimes hurt what your actual job is. You know, I mean, I know I have that issue in my job sometimes. Yeah, I constantly have that issue. Yeah. And so like that was an interesting point, but it seems to be solved. So whatever. Yep. Okay. Uh, And then um, trouble in paradise as Kurt does not answer the call from Blaine. Yeah, we all know it's coming next episode. So yeah, we'll, tomorrow's episode we know might be a rough one for a couple of couples. We will find out. Yes, um, and then Rachel's the last little part. Um, yep. Obviously, we all knew exactly what was going to happen at the end of the episode. Um, I actually called it twenty minutes prior to it happening. Yeah, well, the whole uh, Rachel getting a makeover, which I think has happened before, hasn't it? It has happened before, and well, this wasn't really, was this like, really a makeover? I know. All she did was she got designer clothes. It wasn't like she got a haircut, or, and she doesn't need one. No, Leia Michelle's gorgeous. Exactly and the same. last episode, she looked gorgeous, and this episode, she looks the same. So, like, the scene where Brody comes in, he's like, hey, wow, what a makeover. What? Because she's wearing a flash dance over-the-shoulder shirt? Yeah, apparently. Like, that's enough to be like, hey, you look different. And, like, a dude's going to notice that? No. A straight dude? No. I don't know. Uh, It was bizarre. And then, of course, Finn walks in and he catches her. Yep. He doesn't really catch her doing anything, though. But, I mean, he is walking in on her with a dude and a bottle of champagne. So, you know, it's clear that she's on a date. You know, when you're 18, you don't have champagne and cook dinner for someone and it not be a date. Even today, if you had champagne it takes it to a different level okay he what maybe he's gay though i think that's what she should do she should tell him he's gay she could but it seems based on the preview that like oh no she i know but... she wants to be honest about it but yeah that would be a very easy out because you know theater guy and yeah um so, that's that, the episode yeah uh let's do songs only a few, only a handful. Yeah, only four. The first one was Blaine singing Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Complete with superhero choreography. Yes. This was Which fun. I, yeah. Which I mean, what? I really enjoyed. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It's Blaine. Blaine can sing anything and I'll be happy. And it, you know, it was a song trying to show a lot of things. Blaine is lonely. Blaine is trying to keep himself busy. There is a superhero club at McKinley that I wish I had in my high school. Superhero and sidekicks. Superhero side. You're right. It was superhero sidekicks because he's just uh, so. Robin. I was totally there for that. So that was yeah, fun. It was great. Um, next is Celebrity Skin by Hole, which I love this song and I really enjoyed this number. I did too. Um, it just because it was very uh, it was very busy in a good way. There was color guard flag tossing. There was. The staging was fun. It was Brittany and Sam singing. And, you know, those are not two people who generally sing that much on the show. And the staging was just really fun. There was, you know, montages. There was red, white, and blue. 
I just, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it felt very cool music video or Glee trying to be cool music video, and it worked for me. Yeah, and I think it's the best that Sam has sounded in a while. It was it's a little cool, bit yeah. I different hear Sam for him. More. Yeah. Yeah. Because if memory serves, he has a good voice. He just never really gets to use it. Yep. Um, up next was a mashup, which is our third mashup in just as many episodes. <laughs> which I don't know. Wait. I'm okay with, though, because I would rather them do something different with the song than just sing it. Um, actually, it's the fourth. One, two, There's three, been quite a- four. Yeah, it's the fourth one in three okay. episodes. I think they could take a break for one week. Yeah, I suppose. Um, it was. I, I was okay with it, though. It was The Way You Look Today and You're Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile um, by Fred Astaire and Annie. And it was Isabel Wright, Kurt Hummel, and Rachel Berry. Now, here's the thing. It was cute and sweet, and I liked that it was, you know, three people singing a song, which, again, is something a little different. That being said, Sarah Jessica Parker was a musically trained actress as a child she was in she was one of the in the original production of annie she was like the second annie she has since been on broadway as an adult in um uh funny thing no 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 no. once upon a mattress and uh how to succeed in business i don't think she has the good singing voice though she doesn't do any she just kind of can hold a um can stay in tune I think, but it's Glee, so everything's auto-tuned anyway. But I don't know. I think she has such a weak voice, and I had to wonder if, as a result, um, Kurt and Rachel had to pare down their voice, because this vocally, to me, was very... Like, I could have sang this song, I think. And two out of those three performers are leagues better than me and most people when it comes to singing. I feel like it also wasn't a number that necessarily called for that, though. Yeah, it did. I mean, it didn't need like belting by any means, but I don't know. It just it felt like I was listening to non-singers sing, and okay. I feel like, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker should be a singer. She should actually be able. She should sound better than Gwyneth Paltrow, but I don't know that she does. <laughs> I don't know. Curious if other people felt the same way. Okay. All right, and the last song. I don't know what it was. Um, it was a change. Uh, a change would do. You, yeah, a change would do you good by Cheryl Crow. I kind of hated it. Did you? Uh, yeah, kind of. Because it was very, it just felt like a specific music video. Whereas the Courtney Love one was kind of music video, but really fun. And um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why this one didn't work for me, whereas the other one did. This one just felt very like, oh, and now we pose in front of buildings. And now we run down the street. And now we put ice cream on each other's noses. Like, it just felt like it was trying too hard. And because I don't care about these people as a couple and I am not invested in this moment, it just kind of fell flat for me. Um, it, I feel like it was a different arrangement of the song Okay. to a degree. So I guess because I'm familiar with the original song, that kept it somewhat interesting. Mm-hmm, I can uh, see that. Other than that, it, I mean, I, I didn't love it, but it was your normal New York couple romantic comedy montage. Yeah, I don't know. Which, I guess it just felt too New York romantic comedy montage. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't bother me. It was just yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. I see. But at least there were no singing in front of the Glee Cub numbers this week. There were none this week. And there was um, a couple of uh, new Glee Club members that didn't talk this week, which was also pretty good. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to name who they are, but I think we all know. 
Speaking of high notes, that would be my number one. That was your number one. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, my first one was um, the food poisoning line at breadsticks. Oh, that was cute. That was cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I don't have that many. Um, oh, I like that. Kurt, I, well, first of all, the return of the hippo pin. Oh, gotcha. um, and I like that he actually addressed that horrible half sweater that you liked from last season. I, I have. Wait, I like that. I thought you liked it and I didn't like it. No, I think it was the opposite. I think I didn't like it. I thought it was weird. And oh, you did like listeners, it. Listeners, do you remember this? I could have sworn I because I. <laughs> I have my my high note too is an explanation of the controversial half sweater. <laughs> I thought I didn't like it. No, I think you did, and I think I didn't. No, I think I talked you into not liking it, and now you're trying to retroactively change your opinion on it. I don't know. If anything, I've proven that I have zero memory of what I have said in the past. Well, that's why I'm so. going to assume I'm right about this. <laughs> Maybe listeners can remember which one of us like the half sweater because we sometimes forget which one of us is which. <laughs> we confuse ourselves with each a, other. Like I, everyone yeah, else yeah, I went to work out in Long Island. It was very confusing. <laughs> uh, stole a car and everything to get there. I was like, wait a minute, I don't drive. Yeah, very weird day. Yeah. Um, I. Okay. I did like that it was his dead hands, though. That made a lot of sense. <laughs> that was really funny, too. Uh, as much as I didn't care for the um, the newbies in the Glee Club, I did like that it was Jake who pointed out when Will is going over like what they're going to be doing. Jake is like, hey, shouldn't we be rehearsing? Because yeah. we really haven't seen them do that yet. And I liked that. It made sense that like, you know, the freshman or sophomore would be like, wait, so do we sing in this club? Like, what do we actually do? Um, I also, I liked that they, um, well, it's, <laughs> I like that they addressed that no one knew what one-third vintage meant. In right, the, uh, and that, that whole, like, thing of how, like, and why some clubs got to sing one song and others got to sing six. Yeah, you know. that that I know probably satisfied a lot of other people. It didn't necessarily mm-hmm. satisfy me, because I'm like, well, they're just not showing them because right. it's an yeah, hour-long show. We agree with that, yes. Right, but it was just, it was still... Mm-hmm. Pointing, it, it was Glee being self-referential, which sometimes it does well and sometimes it doesn't, and it did right. half it half well. Yeah, uh, I liked Kurt had this tie that was black with like mirrors or studs or spangles on it, and I really liked it. Um, I, you know. I didn't. Okay. I oh, and Brittany had a lot of good, actually, kind of racy one-liners this week. That's um, true. I think my favorite was "I'd rather be a landing strip." That was that was cute. So, so was the the comment about Sarah Palin and her grandpa. Yes, which made me chuckle. Um, uh, that's pretty much all I have. Okay, I have a few more. Uh, Emma, now first of all, theme. Uh, so now this is the second appearance of an orchid. Is it? I oh. think so. Yeah, remember? La- well, remember? Well, last I remember week, the first orchid one. blinding us yes. this week when Will walked into Emma's office. Emma was um, cleaning with like Windex her orchid. Oh. Which I thought was really funny because she had on gloves and she was like spraying a flower and, and wiping it, which I thought was a cute little throwaway sight gag. And it was an orchid, so I'm guessing Glee is getting sponsored by orchids this year. Okay. Um, and now, Wayne, this is directly at you. Uh, during the debate when Sue is introducing everyone she's, and she makes a comment, you know, Principal Figgins is out with uh, self, uh, you know, in his words, religious fever. That to me was funny. Okay. Because it was just the kind, the way, I mean, it was still weird and it didn't, it wasn't trying to make you like, 
ha ha, you know, it wasn't like, ha ha, man milking himself, funny, ha ha. No, it was just like, it was this weird little Figgins thing that made sense. And that made me chuckle, whereas the other one did not. Um, I like the line that Sam pointed out that um, with the bow tie, Blaine looks like a young Orville Redenbacher. He does. Which was really cute. Although I am a little... <laughs> to to cross over to low notes for a second, I'm sure. a little sad that he is kind of took the bow ties away from Blaine because I always enjoy Blaine's bow ties. Oh, I, I hope they come back. I will be very sad if they don't. I don't think but they I are. Really like the line about him being a young Orville Redbucker. Agreed. Uh, I also liked Blaine's performance at the debate. It was because it was it was really cute. And when Blaine gets to be, you know, we've seen Blaine. It was kind of this angelic character for a long time who could just do no wrong. And then when we get the episodes where he's insecure, I think it's, A, really interesting to watch because it's different and not what we're used to seeing. And B, I think it shows what a good actor Darren Chris is because it just, we see this like little break in his armor and he's really endearing in a different way when he's being insecure. And so in the debate when he's basically talking about hair gel again, and then the, the line I thought was funny and the delivery was funny, which is like, you know, they'll start burning hair products and, and then they'll start burning people. <laughs> and I just I found that again the delivery of it really amusing and then my last high note was I'm happy to see Cord Overstreet uh, Sam getting more to do and again kind of taking the role sort of as like the solid guy in Glee Club but also still being fun in a really dumb way so yeah. that's just like a pleasant uh, if I had to say, like, which actor is surprising you this year, I'd be like, you know, that little Cordova Street is, is making me happy. He is. He's doing a good job. Yeah. And it's nice to see. Low notes. <laughs> Low notes. Um, um, oh, just the, basically just the whole, the fa- I mean, the fact that this episode was just kind of inconsequential um, <laughs> and the, the interview... Kurt's interview I'm happy he got the job and I ultimately like where it went but (laughs) again it's that issue of Glee not knowing how to make story arcs last for multiple episodes like yeah there was no suspense in that storyline there was no suspense whatsoever and even yeah your first day at a job your first week and by the end of this 45 minute episode Kurt could be vice president of Vogue essentially like that would have been yeah it would have been a nice multiple episode arc where he goes for the interview and he, you know, he doesn't know if he got it and then he does get it and he's having a rough first day and like it could have been extended into something else and it just wasn't. And it I mean, I think, but yeah, you know, you have to give Glee credit because last week, remember, Kurt said he had an interview for Glee. That is a multi episode arc. This is this is true. OK, this is. Yeah, I take it. Um, my low notes, I would say I have two. One is the idea that like Jake, they're trying to make him this badass character and yet he went to the debate, the yes. debate that wasn't mandatory that like nine kids showed up for. Like, that's how badass Jake is. Yes, he's so badass. Well, maybe yeah. he was supporting his Glee Club members. I get, I get, which makes him even more badass. Mm-hmm. And then the other low note is what you're saying about it being inconsequential. And I think the way you could see that is the way the show is now just like, all right, let's just rotate character. It's like they have like a wheel and they, they put a character in front and then they spin the wheel and whatever character it lands on, that's the character who's going to have an interaction with this character. <laughs> so in this case, it was Blaine and Sam. It's like, they have this like really strong heart to heart where Sam's like, Hey man, you taught me that gay men aren't always like Kurt. 
And I mean, I guess, okay, that's a, you know, that's a story. Sure. But it just, I don't know. It feels again, like they're just kind of trying to throw things in the air and see what makes sense and what attracts and what doesn't attract. And, you know, so just the, again, the construction of it is quite lacking. Like they're still trying to find their way. Whereas most series in season four are very well established. Very, very much. Yeah. Do you have any other low notes? If a few stray observations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we had another appearance of Stoner Brett. Yes. I don't know if he's going to be like the guy who's pops up in every episode now. I don't know. I'm just saying. Perhaps. Maybe he'll be the new Lauren Zeises. He has had more screen time uh, than Santana, among other people. Yes. Or, you know, uh, show regular, as listed in the opening credits, Amber Riley and Harry Shum Jr. <laughs> just saying. Stoner Brett better get a raise if he's going to be in every episode. Uh, and, oh, okay. I'm glad I wrote this because I would not have forgotten this. Um, um, in my high school presidential election, I did not run for office in high school. Um, but one kid did, and he also took his shirt off. Oh, well, apparently that's... Really weird uh, coincidence. It was this kid who was like, um, I won't say his name because, A, I don't remember it. And, B, I wouldn't want to out someone who, you know because this could get back to them in his long political career. He ran for, I think, vice president. And he was not popular and not known to be, like, a, a, a bad kid or a joker or anything. He was just kind of a kid that nobody really knew anything about. Everybody thought it was kind of quiet. And he gives his speech for vice president. And then he ends it with, let's go Yankees, and rips his shirt up and had the Yankee logo painted on his chest. He did not have a body like Sam Evans, but <laughs> he did, you know, good for that kid. Um, I think he got suspended and was pulled from the presidential race. Interesting. But I just wanted to give that kid a salute because, you know, hey. Good for him. You inspired Ian Brennan and Eric Stoltz, maybe. Years ahead. Maybe. All right. So should we go on to feedback? Oh, let's. Okay, um, so we have three bits of feedback. Uh, you want me to, what do you, you want to do? What do you want to do? Want me to read Beth and Wayne's, you read Brianne's? Sure. Okay, um, should I start with Beth's? Sure. Okay. Um, Beth, by the way, every time I say the name Beth, I always want to sing the song Beth, as sung <laughs> by Pucking Lee or in Wet Hot American Summer. I don't know why. Okay, so. Oh, models. Right. Or role models, that's true, which, I mean, is... Which also has Paul Rudd. And is also directed by the same director as Wet on American Summer. So apparently that director really likes the song Beth. He really likes the name Beth. The song Beth, indeed. All right, Beth writes, dear Emily and Erica. Uh-huh. I switched your names back in the greeting. Beware, I might switch them up again. Don't want to play favoritisms with you, do. Some totally scatterbrained thoughts about this week's episode of Glee called Makeover. I'll start off by saying I like the episode. As much as I like the songs, there were only four this week. We had some storytelling, a plot hole or two filled in, and various Annie, and spelled with an E, and Anna references. I will get to that later. We start off with a Blaine voiceover. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I believe this is the first time Blaine has done one. Blaine is missing Kurt Fierce, so in order to pass the time, he joins a bunch of clubs. Now, what I found interesting was the names of the other people on the lists. On the sewing club list, we had Lee Poindexter, who, as it turns out, works Glee's props. Go Lee! I love the props department. Joanne Trotta does costume and wardrobe, not for Glee, but for True Blood. Michelle C. something, I couldn't figure out your last name. Next time, write it more clear so I can mention who you are. Interesting. I love little Easter eggs like that. Mm-hmm. Was this uh, Blaine's first voiceover, Erica? Um, 
I'm, I want to say yes. I don't really remember. I'm in the same boat as you. I think it was. Beth continues. Oh, yes. Back to Blaine. He sings Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Blaine can sing to me anytime he wants to. Seriously, you Blaine haters out there, screw you. Blaine, honey, you can sing anything you want anytime. Be my human jukebox. I'm good with it. Off, off of my Blaine singing in another solo soapbox, at least for the time being. Switching to New York and Kurt is hunting for the perfect outfit for his job interview. First of all, this is a television show where we have to move the plot forward in a very short amount of time. Keeping that in perspective, all you people who moan and groan about nothing good happens to Kurt, please keep your mouth shut about him getting a great job right in his first try. <laughs> Be happy we don't have to follow Kurt around applying for hundreds of jobs and getting to eat nothing but top ramen for the next three months while he waits for the perfect job to materialize. Just remember, in real life, it seldom is that easy and that and that glee, like Barney, is make-believe. Aw, Kurt keeps his hippo brooch in a little glass case. Too cute. I really want a brooch like that. Apparently, they are made by a jewelry maker in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Next time I pass through there, I am looking for them. You actually got a really cute little fox brooch like that, didn't you? I did, but okay. it's not like you did. It's not three dimensional, really. Though, like it's not like as far three dimensional as that. It's it's a little flatter. But it, I don't know. It reminds me of it. It's really cute. It's funny. and that was at where did you get that? In no, in Baltimore. When we went oh, to go see right. Randy and Lisa. Yeah, but where was it? At that museum. Was it a... Oh, right. Okay. Um, museum of street art and stuff. It was cool. All right. Ooh, Beth continues. Sarah Jessica Parker as Isabel Wright. I wasn't sure if I would like her, but I do. She is really modeled after me. If you want to know what I am like, just watch her. I can't say no to anyone. I like everyone's ideas and encourage them no matter how bad they are because we might be able to make them work in the long run and I can spot new talent in a heartbeat. I do finish things sometimes successfully, sometimes not. Yep, I'm Isabel and she is me. Don't you know Isabel is just looking, just another form of Elizabeth, my name. Curse you Glee writers for writing me into your show. I'll be looking for my check in next week's mail. We learn where Kurt gets all those fabulous clues. See, it is all doable. He bargain hunts and makes some of them. Now we know. Kurt, did you just hug Isabel? Seriously, you never just hug anyone spontaneously. You don't even like being touched. New York has changed, Kurt, already. Back to McKinley and Artie's 210 SAT store. Have things changed that much? I thought that really good scores were above 600 and a combined score of 1,200, both math and English, were desirable. I was under the impression that recently the national average scores had fallen to just under 500 for reading. Someone clue me in. Was Artie's score calculated differently? He seemed proud of it. Now, Beth. Good question. I know, I know that SATs have changed. Significantly. Since, yeah, since we took them back in, what, 99, 98. Um, they are the, I know like they took analogies out. They changed the way questions are asked. They might have changed the scoring as well. I don't know. That's a really good question. Well, I know originally, um, because they changed not that long after I graduated to the point where, like, I still knew people who were taking the new one, like people's younger brothers and sisters. And um, mm -hmm. I thought they changed so that instead of going up to 1600, it went up to 2000, which still doesn't make sense. So... Uh, well, at that point, yeah, because if, if 210. Oh, well, then that could have been. No, because that would be over 2000. Good question. Right. That's why I'm confused. I'm trying to look it up. Yeah. I mean, there's also all the SAT2s, which some colleges wait more than others, where you have separate SATs for reading or for biology or for writing and so on. So I don't know if that has changed things with the SATs. 
Because I remember, like, my SAT scores were never great because my math scores were so much less than my English. But my SAT twos for anything English-related were always really high. I don't know. Um, well, two th- in 2005, the test was changed again, largely in response to the University of California system. Because of issues conter- concerning ambiguous questions, especially analogies, certain types of questions mm-hmm. were eliminated. The analogies from verbal and the quantitative comparisons from me- the math section the test was made marginally harder as a corrective to the rising number of perfect scores. A new writing section with an essay. That's what I remember is that it was three oh. sections now. Um, a new writing session okay. with an essay based on the former essay to writing subject test was added in part to increase the chances of closing the opening um, closing the opening gap between the, the highest and mid-range scores. Other factors included the desire to test for the writing ability of each student, hence the essay. The new SAT... New, known as the SAT reasoning test, was first offered on March 12, 2005, after the last administration of the old SAT test in January 2005. Um, the mathematics section was expanded to cover three years of high school mathematics. The verbal section's name was changed to the critical reading section. But it doesn't say about scoring. And the other thing that mm. changed was like who you have to send them to. Like you have to send all of them. We we were able to pick which pick and choose what we wanted to send. So we used to pick our really? highest. Yeah, you picked your highest verbal and your highest math, and you sent those scores to colleges. You could take it multiple times. Okay. Yeah, I think I took mine three times, I think. And you picked your two highest scores and sent them together. Oh, see, I don't think we could do that. It didn't matter, because I think for mine, it was always the same as far as, like, it was my math and English were always, like, in the same realm from each year like it wasn't like one year one time I took it and my math was here and then the next year my math was lower my English was higher I think it was the same plane for me every time um I only took it once so I yeah I took it three because I was really mad that I couldn't because I did better on my PSATs on my PSATs I did awesome because it had an extra either reading section or it had a writing section to it if I if the SATs were what they are now when I was in high school, I probably would have done so much better. That's frustrating. <laughs> um, see, it says possible scores range from 600 to 2400. Combining test so results. So 210 could be 2100 out of 2400. I guess, but that seems like a weird way to say it. And it's it's combining the results from three 800 point sections. Wait, three 800 point sections would be what's eight times three 2400 so 210 could be two zero one zero or two one zero zero so i mean i guess that's a good score right but why would they say it like that why wouldn't they say 2100 that's weird maybe it wasn't maybe it was two zero one zero that would be 2010 no 2010 yeah. Well, clearly, I didn't do well on the math section. <laughs> so, what do I know? Probably a lot less than Artie. We'll just say Artie scored very well. Yep, and we'll move on. Let's and at the end, and Beth, like as you know, we are saying the SATs have changed clearly significantly, yes. and I'm kind of angry about that now. Quite frankly, I was happy with my we score. Should... I took my PSATs. I took my PSATs twice and went up each time, and I went up in, in my SAT from my second PSAT. And then my guidance counselor was like, nah, you don't have to take it again. And I was annoyed because I because wa- if I had taken it again, it probably would have gone up again because it had gone up yeah. three times. 
and I might have gotten into a different school. Although ultimately, I'm happy with where I went, but I might have gotten, sure. you know, scholarships or something. And that was annoying. Yeah, my P. I I never did as well on my uh, SATs as I did my PSATs. That was the highest score I got. Oddly Very enough, I uh, I did score higher on my SATs than our valedictorian. You were the girl. same, actually, or like either the same or just under what he scored because our valedictorian was only valedictorian because he played the system. Ooh, you can do that. How do you play the system? He took, uh, he like stopped, um, he like stopped taking lunch and it started taking all AP classes in, in junior high. Oh, so we can bump up the GPA because the, yep. the AP classes AP, would bump uh, up 1.5. Ooh, what a, what a jerk. Oh, well, he's probably um, working as a, an accountant at a big firm that's fallen under right now. Think of it that way. Sure, he is. He's in jail. He's in white-collar jail right now, and white-collar jail isn't fun, I'm sure, I imagine, I'm guessing. <laughs> All right, back to Beth. Beth continues. Oh, my God, did we just have a pubic hair-shaped joke from Brittany? Artie, so I could be Cheney to your bush. Brittany, I'd rather be landing strip. I am so loving this time change. Poor Artie is still part robot in Britney's eye, and she seems to forget they dated. Sigh. And I loved it when Artie and Mike did Michael Jackson's PYT back in season two. Britney, how could you forget something so cute? Girlfriend, you need help. Serious help. And yet she is running for student president again. On to the choir room. I do love the meta choir competition talk. What is one third vintage? Why do some teams get one song and other six? Okay, to be fair, no one has ever had six songs. And from Newbie Jake, shouldn't we start preparing for ours? Is Jake going to become our voice of reason? Nah. We see Marley, but no unique. I know some members of Glee cast are thrilled. Or <laughs> all of them. I admit I felt a brief thrill, too. What is wrong with me? Will mentions Carmina Barana scat version. Normal, I would save these things that I had to look up, but I couldn't resist. It turns out that these are the names given to a group of 254 poems and dramatic texts, mostly from the 11th through 13th century. The pieces are mostly bawdy, irreverent, and satirical. Wow, that sounds like Lee. It might make a nice fit after all. So who does the best scat of the group? No wonder we'll have dilemma. I don't think any of the current members could do scat justice. The only thing I know about Carmina, Bar uh, Carmina Barama yeah. is from <laughs> yeah. French. Yeah, love you, Boab. You and I both were like, I the lyric. It's in, it's in rent. Yep. So it must be something uh, artsy. Yeah. Bohemian. Yep. That's all Sour I got. Sour grapes, Artie. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be fun if Artie and Blaine fight? I mean, a real verbal knockdown fight? Battle of the wills between the two? It would be nasty. Teacher lunchroom. Sue gives Will a pep talk. There is something here to offend everybody. But since it didn't bother me, I won't dwell on it. She does refer to one teacher as full Charlotte Ray. Just a reminder. Oh, we know. She was the house mother on another realistic show about girls in boarding school. Facts of life. I did a quick check. She's still with us at 86. I love Charlotte Ray. Will worries that he has run out of ideas and brings up using classic TV theme songs or a salute to autumn as possible contest pieces. Now I do. Now I think doing classic TV songs would be awesome. They could do songs from Cheers. Everybody knows your name. Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back. And MASH. Suicide is painless. If the MASH song is too depressing, the songs from Laverne and Shirley could be mashed up with Happy Days songs instead. Or maybe, oh, this would be so good, the group could whistle the opening theme song of the Andy Griffiths show. I like that. <laughs> I could totally get into that. Autumn songs were, to, were tougher, although I can honestly see Rachel and Kurt sing Autumn in New York for the New York part. First of all, I love Autumn New York and support that decision. Second of all, um, when I was in middle school and tried out for the musical, I wanted to do uh, 
the Laverne and Shirley theme song. And the woman, the director was like, oh, I don't know that song. Can you sing something like My Country Tis of Thee? So I had to do that. And uh. I was sad because We're Gonna Do It is a much more fun song. So again, Beth, agree with you 100%. Sue, I love you. She talks about Will's complete lack of adult friends and calls him a pedophile birthday clown. I don't know why, but I love it. On to other McKinley School Matters. Why are they dumbing down Sam? I know he is not the brightest thing, but he is most certainly not on Britney's level, and he would know what a debate is. Oh, that was a funny line. Back to New York City, and Kurt is interning. There's talk about leather, of which I picked up this line. Belt for punishment. Belt for reward. Kinky. Sorry, I love cracky shit. Uh, stuff like that. It's a body humorous in me or something. It cracks me up, and everyone just stares at me like I'm insane. Moving on. Kurt and Isabel, who is mentoring who here? Spanks for cankles. Spankles? I actually found a reference for those. Fat ankles. No longer a problem, I guess. There is a, a product out there to solve it. I don't need them, so I haven't gone out of my way to hunt them down. Funny side about cankles. Oh, I, I have gonna, a, um, I was going to do an aside about cankles also. Oh, why don't you go first? Um, it's not fank, fat ankle. Well, I mean, it is fat ankles, but it's called cankles because it's when your calf goes down into your foot and you don't have an ankle. So it's a cankle. You don't have yeah. tree trunk legs as um, they're called in my family. Yes. I don't have them, but nobody in my family has them, but my um, the other side of my family does. Oh, was that your side? I had another one. <laughs> it was just about the name because it's not oh, like okay. it's not really just fat ankle. Like it is, but right. that doesn't explain where they got the name Kankles. It's Kankles because it's your calf and your ankle as a thing, and it's Kankles. Go ahead. Oh no, the um, I have a trivia day calendar at work where it's every day is a trivia question, and one day the question was like, um. The, the question was, in, you know, in human slang term for anatomy, what is a cankle? So <laughs> there were other people in the world who didn't know it, apparently. I, th- I thought it was common knowledge, but, yeah, you learned something. Okay, Beth continues. Well, this is an episode called Makeover, so on to our first makeovers. Artie is working with Brittany, asking her questions and getting her ready for the election debate. Best line, her favorite color, Filipinos. Oh, Brittany. Blaine is dressing Sam while Sam is undressing. Hmm, those back dimples are cute, Sam. Onto whole celebrity skin. I liked it, especially the part where the flags were pushed across the stage. Very cool. My mind did wander back to a time when Courtney Love complained her band didn't get any respect. With a name like Hole, seriously, Courtney, you wonder why I don't get respect? Will is doing some choir stuff, running some group or something. I need to pay more attention. Oh, Mr. Rumba is back from season one deaf choir. You know those kids with songs in their hearts? He's into extreme couponing and muscle relaxers. I could get into muscle relaxers. I wonder if he would share. Well, only if they were gluten-free, of course. Will decides to apply for some national committee on the arts of something. Does this mean Will could possibly leave the show for a while? Now I'm interested. Sure. Bye, Will. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Can we please get a new choir leader in the classroom? And while we're at it, please, no Shelby. (laughs) Over to New York. Rachel is talking to Kurt about getting picked on. More stuff to look up. Lena Dunham, who is she? She's on a show called Girls, and she's been nominated for a bunch of awards. Why would it be a bad thing to be her? Someone clue me in again. Um, she's well, you watch sh- yeah. She she's not just on the show. She actually wrote the sh- the show. Um, and she's and like, she's like yeah, like not even twenty five, and super accomplished, yeah. and makes you feel like a big piece of shit when you're you know twenty nine. Yep. Um, but she's also very unattractive by conventional yeah, standards. Very, very plain, yes. Yeah. By conventional movie standards. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. Yep. That explains that one. I like um, that. I it's a good show, though. We keep talking yeah, over each other I tonight. Will- we do, I know. It's, you know, well, it's one of those nights. One of those. I haven't eaten yet, that's why. And I, and I had, because I had a little bit of time to eat something, so I had, um, 
I'm also trying to clean out my cabinets. So I've been eating a lot of food that's just been sitting in there for years or a long time. Um, and so I had some rice cake. So I had a rice cake. I put avocado and blue cheese on it. And oh. the blue Yeah, do, you never do that? <laughs> no, that's a very interesting combination. Well, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, I did that. Usually I would have tomatoes, but I was I only have half a tomato left and I have to make a burrito later. But the problem being, um, as much as you can wash your hands after eating blue cheese, it doesn't really get off your hands. So my hands kind of smell like blue cheese. So I think that's part of the problem. Beth continues. I did get the Black Swan comment, go Beth, as I did see the movie. Two nasty little shits, aren't they? Picking on poor Rachel and her red dance leotard top thingy, whatever it's called. I don't dance. I love red. Why does everyone have to be black? Excuse me while I put my finger and my thumb in the shape of an L on my forehead. I am clueless. It's almost midnight, so Kurt and Rachel are going to travel 45 minutes into Manhattan to do a makeover they don't have to pay for. For a brief moment, I thought was Kurt was thinking of stealing clothes from Vogue for Rachel, and then we were going to see Kurt do prison time a la Oz or something. <laughs> that would be exciting television. Oh, Beth, you have no idea. Unless you've watched Oz, and then we need to talk about Oz. Um, but also, at midnight, um, it's not a 45-minute ride into Brooklyn, into Manhattan. It's like an hour 20 from Bushwick. At midnight, they'll probably have to deal with shuttle buses. The trains are going to be coming. Yeah, it's a longer ride than that. Beth continues. And it looks like this is what's going to happen. Isabel shows up with two security guards in tow. But is she mad at Kurt? No, her dinner date with Steve Buscemi, the funny-looking guy. Noko Ono, the funny-looking woman, has been canceled yet again. Are they now a couple? That would be an interesting dinner combo. I could so do that. Fargo dude with a freaky music girl? Yeah, I'm on board. Possibly the cutest, most charming song mashup performance ever, the way you look tonight, and you're never fully dressed without a smile. When I first heard they were doing this mashup, I ruled my eyes. I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker doing an Annie song, really? You see, I finally made it to New York for my last visit in 1979. I went to Broadway Times Square, which was really run down and nasty back then, before Disney came in and revamped the area, and walked around the theaters. I was too poor to see anything, but I remember seeing Parker's name on the marquee for Annie. I really wanted to see Annie, too. Wasn't going to happen. Being broke sucks. Um, yeah, well, that's funny that Beth was in New York for her performance there. Anyway, I loved the song. I had to rewatch it twice while working on this feedback. Parker sounded a little weak, but Colfer sounded good. Very smooth. It was nice listening to him sing in an appropriate key and range for his voice. There's the angel voice I love. I hate it when they have him sing too high. It doesn't sound good to me. Grace Papaya is a real hot dog restaurant, but I have never eaten there. It's probably good, but do you suppose they have e- they have vegan dogs for Rachel? Do they? What? Have vegan dogs? Yeah. Grace yeah. Papaya? I don't, do they do? Okay. Oh, um, oh at Grace I Papaya? I don't know. Maybe not. not. Grace Papaya is a pretty famous New York institution. There's a few, there's, well, there's the main one, and then there's kind of ripoffs of it. But it's, yeah, known for being the place where you can get, for two fifty. you can get, like, two hot dogs and a fruit drink. And the hot dogs are quite good. The Skype conversation between Kurt and Blaine. You just know things aren't going well. Kurt brushes off Blaine by telling him any bow tie was fine. It's your signature look. Blaine's little sad, little face just fell. He looks sadder and sadder. Kurt is clueless, but we all know Blaine is hurt. Aw, Claner's starting to panic. Back to Emma and Will. Blue ribbon panel to improve arts education. She says, do it, Will. Is, it, is a Wemma breakup foreshadowing with a postponed wedding? Wemma fans are starting to panic. Sam tells Blaine to use, to Blaine to lose the bow tie, and he does okay. What's going on? More foreshadowing of trouble ahead. Blaine without a bow tie is actually okay by me. Can we lose the hair gel, too? Just wondering. 
onto the debate, which I found to be hilarious, starting with Sue's speech about ridiculous rule changes from last year and how the whole thing is done differently between season three and four. I'm actually grateful she brought this up because, as you know, there are people who would nitpick this to death because it wasn't done in a gym or where did the office of a vice president come from? The fandom would whine it's different from last year and proclaim loudly all over the Glee forum boards and everywhere, Glee has no consistency. All of those questions were answered in advance. Thank you, Glee writers. We can now move on and have some fun with this. Yardy uh, speech, Papa's ass. He goes on for an hour. I would kill him. As it turns out, Sam wasn't listening either and strips. Good for Sam. Sam gets to live. Blaine panics. That is so Blaine. Does he even notice half-naked Sam? Are you really gay, Blaine? Sometimes I wonder. Blaine's speech. I love... Sorry, just checking something. Okay. Blaine's speech, I love the whole burning books could lead to burning people, and he is so earnest, and he says it. By the way, it is banned book week. We should all celebrate. Ooh, I didn't know that. Brittany's speech, her magical thinking. Artie knows they lost the election. Who would want to go to school full-time? Brittany really is, dare I say it, stupid? Or is she? Was she planning for Sam to get to be vice president all along? No, no, I think she really is just that stupid. (laughs) Back to New York. All this switching back and forth doesn't bother me one bit, by the way. But when writing about the show, it does seem like I bring it up a lot. In the words of the immortal Katy Perry, oh well. We have had a reference to Anna Winter, a song from Annie, and now a third Annie reference. I knew the writers couldn't pass up the chance for another one. All good things come in threes. And the third one was, drumroll, Anne of Green Gables. Isabel refers to her relationship with Kurt as a kindred of spirits. I died. I know some of the Gleeksters are aware I am doing sound effects for my first play. And it is Anne of Green Gables. How funny is that? I am so loving this. I like Isabel's advice to Kurt about staying with fashion. It's about time someone took that boy aside and told him there is more to life than Niata. A brief mention of a restaurant named Indochin, which is still happening and serves French-Vietnamese food. This makes me hungry, so I go heat up Chinese takeout made in Texas. It's not very authentic, as the cook says. As as the cook says, y'all a lot, but it tastes real good. Y'all a lot, but it tastes real good. I I was having a craving for like greasy Chinese food the other day, but I fought that. I did. Good for you. Over to Brody. Thank you. It was not easy. I just wanted like fried rice, and I haven't eaten fried rice in years, but. I got, I got by it. I just ate some blue cheese and avocado instead. <laughs> over to Brody and Rachel. Rachel is in black. She has moved over to the dark side. Black swan. Actually, I think her makeover is less about clothes and more about adopting a new attitude. The New York way of doing things. On the outside, Rachel has new makeup. She sings Change Will Do You Good, Shell Crow. Not one of Rachel's better songs, and I do love me some Shell Crow. I was sort of bummed. It was fun to follow Rachel and Brody through the street, on that bridge, into the park. I enjoyed the playfulness, but didn't think it was the best I'd seen. So is Brody looking at Rachel as a conquest? Fun. Back to McKinley, it's Becky. I'm glad to see her back. I like Becky in small doses. Becky's lack of a xylophone flourish. Becky's not feeling it. Crack me up. Funny moment. Election results are in. Blaine won. We now have a new slash blam. That, which is what I said. I don't think this is a ship as it is not a romantic pairing. But it could be. Wouldn't that be interesting? Sam claims he's not gay, but what if... Okay, I know the whole Sam was originally hired to be Kurt's boyfriend and stuff, so let's not get into that right now. That's water under the bridge. Still, we could go there. Can't trust Glee, can we? Blaine's lie about Kurt knowing he won the election. Hmm. And then Kurt didn't answer the phone. We all know bad things happen when Kurt doesn't answer the phone. That's true, remember Karofsky? Mm-hmm. And I was so looking forward to an inaugural ball. I wanted to see what Kurt would do for table decorations. Then Blaine confesses to Sam that he switched schools for Kurt. Mm, poor Blaine. He can't get no hurt comfort than from Kurt. So he goes to Sam and a thousand new Blam angst fanfics were born. Sam and Brittany cuddle up. See, I wonder if she threw the election to get Sam. No wonder. They are cute together. 
Two writes a letter of recommendation for Will. I don't believe for one minute he caught her baby barehanded. The reason? Newborn babies are very slippery. Will would have dropped that baby on the floor, and Sue would have killed him there on the spot. Will is still alive, so that didn't Back to New York, and Rachel is cooking Brody dinner. Of course, it catches fire, and she throws wine on the stove, so it flares up more. Every 18-year-old in the city wants to know where she buys her wine. Isn't she slightly underage? I won't get into the whole burnt duck stuff, I guess. Rachel's makeover now includes the consumption of animals. Yeah, she was a vegan. Remember that? Yeah, briefly. Yeah. Um, it's actually really easy to get alcohol in the city. Well, it was when I went to school, oh my God, almost 10 years ago. Um, oh <clears throat> yeah, we yeah. just chalked our IDs and went to the liquor store down the block. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, in general. Yeah, sad, sad well... For the younger listeners, um, yeah, it's really not that hard. Uh, Moon River playing, and that was Andy Williams' song, and now he's dead. Singers beware. People die when they play your song on Glee. Death count. Let's see. Amy, Whitney, and now Andy. And don't forget the BG. Did I miss anyone? Yes, the BG. Uh, actually, I think the whole scene is more a Sex in the City reference. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Mm, did they play Moon River on Sex in the City? They might have. I don't remember. I don't either. Okay. The kiss. Is Rachel cheating? No. Finn set Rachel free. Go for it, Rachel. Kiss him. Knock, knock. Hello, Finn. Next week is going to be good. A thousand. Well, a few ships are going to crash and burn. I, for one, am looking forward to the drama. Of course, my ship is safe. Right, guys? They wouldn't break up clean, would they? Lots of laughs. Guess we'll have to wait and find out. Till then, Beth. Um, I think they're breaking them up. Oh, definitely. No doubt in my mind. We'll find out in 25 hours. Very true. All right. You want to read the next one? Sure. This one is from Brienne. It is titled, Oh, Make Me Over. She says, hello once again, fellow Gleecasters. This week's episode made one thing very evident to me. Brittany should have a YouTube channel on politics. Every comment she made on <laughs> politics was comedic gold. I actually love this week's episode. Perhaps it was because it was Blaine heavy. I'm not too excited for the preview and what may become a claim, but I'm going to stay positive. And even if they do break up, maybe they will reunite. I'm keeping hope alive. I guess I will start with the four songs. Everybody wants to rule the world. As always, I love Blaine anything. I like the idea of him trying to find himself and and joining every club. Seeing him dressed as Robin for the Superhero Sidekicks Club and as a wizard for the D&D Club made the entire song. I definitely enjoyed the number. Celebrity Skim. The song felt very jokey and mocked. They overdid the rocker grit voice, though I understand they were trying to sound like Courtney Love. It felt overdone in a mocking tone. They made these horrible rocker faces as well, which just <laughs> turned me off. Worst song of the night. See, I disagree. I thought it was fun. Yeah. <coughs> um... The way you look tonight, you're never fully dressed without a smile. I'm definitely a sucker for a montage that includes trying on clothes. I love, cor- I love corny romantic comedies and makeover montages are a staple. My boyfriend happened to be in the room when this song came on and he was disgusted. He was mad that they butchered Frank Sinatra. I thought it was good and I thought SJP sounded pretty good. So obviously everyone has their opinion. Indeed. Um, a change will do you good. My favorite number of the night. I thought it was fun. Rachel looks sexy. Yep, I said it after last week thinking she can never look sexy. Brody <laughs> sounded great. I'm I'm still, I'm leery on him still talking about getting a makeover and he was definitely hitting on her, coming on strong. But I also want Rachel to get over Finn. I'm over Finchel. Uh-huh. High points. As I mentioned, I love all of Britney's political quotes like, I'd rather be a landing strip. <laughs> when, and when Artie said he'd be Cheney to her bush. 
Oh, I'd rather be in a landing strip when Artie said he'd be the Cheney to her bush. Sarah Palin ran <coughs> with her grandma <laughs> with her grandpa. Now they're not speaking. Bridging the human robot divide. FDR was part robot, and he's on Mount Rushmore. I liked Isabel. Um, Oh, I like the intro to Isabel Wright when one person said she gave, she gave Steve Jobs his first black turtleneck. <laughs> that was funny. Blaine as president. Can he be president of everything, please? Right. I've, I've really grown to love Sam. He's great with Blaine and Britt. I'm excited for the road Mr. Shoe is going down. Him possibly joining the Blue Ribbon panel will really shake things up and add some excitement to the show. Figgins being out with religious fever. Stoner Brett is my new favorite character. He's bitter. <laughs> He's bitter and has one-liners in every episode. Separation of powers. Long live stoners. <laughs> I realized during Artie's speech, this was the first glance of Jake and Marley that, and that they had no lines, and I didn't miss them. That can't be good. Non-glee related. Uh, non-glee. Sorry, Mookie, now Mookie's attacking me. Sorry. <laughs> Non-glee related, but there was a Wreck-It Ralph commercial introduced by Jane Lynch. I'm excited for that. Low points. It looks really cute. It does look cute. Low points, Brody saying he's hands off and then kisses her. It just made me mad. Well, this, she kissed him. She did kiss him. Um, and the slow dissolution of Clayne, sad face. Like I said, it was a fun episode for me. I hope you, in, I hope everyone enjoyed it too. Until next week, Brienne. Okay. Uh, see, again, clearly Brienne and I disagreed on a couple of points. Yeah, but I think we overall agreed that it mm-hmm. was an yeah. enjoyable episode for what it was. Yeah, I think, I think we're all like, yeah, it was enjoyable. It was just very light. But again, maybe because next week is going to be very dark. We'll find out. Um, so now on to Waynes, who titles his email Skype, Killer of Relationships, plus Goodwill Hunting for a season four story arc. Okay. Coco and Chanel. Not terrible. Not terrible. Let us sing it from the rooftops. Glee <laughs> was not terrible this week. Okay, maybe not the rooftops. I think just stating as much in an, e- in an email will suffice. Makeover leaned heavily on Glee's veteran characters at the expense of the irritating new ones. And I think that was a good move. So long, Jake. See ya in hell, Marley. See ya next never, Unique. The only real problem I had with Makeover was that it was totally inconsequential. Meaning there was no outstanding reason to watch it, and I'm not chomping at the bit to find out what happens. It was a pleasant viewing experience, but far from essential. How big a problem is that? We'll see. Side note, before I forget, Erica, hat watch. Oh, I totally forgot this episode. Oh. You're fired. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no. I'm fired for that. I'm fired. That's it. I apologize. Anyway. Wayne continues, but for now, let's take this thing to the chop shop and get out the blowtorch, shall we? So here's what you missed on Glee. I just now realized that Glee begins many of its episodes by assuming its viewers have not watched the previous one. Maybe Glee's target demo is just random people who happen to find the show while channel surfing. That would explain why the show feels it needs to explain absolutely everything and make use of such obvious heavy-handed foreshadowing. Glee is the only show on TV where every episode is treated as a pilot. This could be a breakthrough for me as I struggle to understand this show. A window has opened. (laughs) Blaine is more committed to bow ties than anyone on TV since Pee Wee Herman. Or maybe the Penguin. He even wears them with polo shirts. That's hardcore. Anyway, his version of Everybody Wants to Rule the World is what I'd label top-notch karaoke. It really sets the tone for this episode. Entirely pleasant, but with no urgent reason for it to exist. So, uh, the Superhero Sidekicks Appreciation Society. I believe Blaine is meant to be Robin, though with little cat ears on his head. And another bow tie. While everyone else is playing characters like generic lad and non-copyrighted boy. Couldn't Fox have sprung for the rights to Aqualad, Bucky, Kid Flash, or Captain Marvel Jr.? What about Woozy Winks from Plastic Man? Oh, God, I've wasted my life. Blaine and Kurt hate watch Treme. 
tough talk, Lee, considering your own show might be one of the most hate-watched series on television today. Um, I think Smash might beat it, but it's just not watched as many. But once Smash comes back, I'm like, I think the de- definition of me watching Smash is hate watching. Would you agree, Erica? Um, I think I hate watch Glee a little bit more than Smash. I think there's still wow. moments of Smash that I enjoy. And while there are moments of Glee that I enjoy for the most part, I'm like, I fucking, I can't. <laughs> Sorry. Interesting, interesting. God, I can't wait for Smash to come back. I need to vent my anger somewhere. Wayne continues, the secret message of Glee season four. Skype is where relationships go to die. Blaine joins a bunch of kooky after-school clubs, just like Max Fisher and Tracy Flick before him. Again, it's cute Glee, but I feel like we've covered this territory before. Besides Glee, you have no idea, none, how advanced D&D is playing. Watch Community's episode, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, for some pointers. I don't know what you think D&D is, but it ain't this. Oh, that Community episode is so good. It is. Anyway, as much as I enjoy the sight of Figgins dressed as Uncle Sam, I can't say I'm too enthused about another Glee election story. Last year started with such promise, then just limped to a conclusion and ended up changing nothing. Next up, Curtsy's Adventures in Fashionland with Vogue.com as the Munchkin City and Sarah Jessica Parker as a combination of Glinda the Good Witch and the Cowardly Lion. The unseen Anna Winter is treated like the Wizard of Oz here. Oh, very good, but very mysterious. Who's missing? That's right, the witch. And with all her sense of conflict... But with Kate Hudson already witching up Rachel's story, maybe we don't need another one here. I like how all this is staged and filmed, and relieved that they're not rehashing the Double Horse Prada, but there is a palpable lack of urgency to all this. It is kind of cool, though, that SJP's guest star credit appear, uh, appears at the exact moment she's on screen in close-up. Kurt mentions Audrey Hepburn as his icon, which somewhat unfortunately foreshadows the rather corny ending in this episode. We'll get to that. The scene with Artie and Brittany in the hall, very cute, very enjoyable. But this is just rehashing territory we've covered before, Glee. Notice how many times Kevin McHale and Heather Morris have to use the word again in this conversation. Maybe Glee has gone into greatest hits mode. Oh, but Brittany does get into a real smutty joke about her lady bits. That's something they might not have tried in the old time slot. Back in the choir room, Will mentioned he's attending a show choir committee meeting, and that is a good excuse for some of Glee's patented metacriticism, with the kids asking questions, which point out ridiculous plot holes in previous episodes. And it sets up the first Will plot of season four. He's out of ideas at McKinley and wants to move on to new challenges. If you remember, I'm not a huge fan of Will, but I actually sort of like this plot, because it puts Will back in season one mode and prevents him from being the saintly know-it-all he's been for most of seasons two and three. Technical question! Exclamation points. During this scene, and again later in the episode, there's a shot of Will in what which seems in which he seems to get closer to us while the background moves farther away. I have never understood how this is accomplished in movies, and now would be a good time as any to discuss it as any. Your thoughts? I have an answer. Go um for it. I uh, I'm not going to remember exactly what it's called. I believe it's called um pulling the shot, but basically what you do is <coughs> you um physically move the camera wait i'm trying to think of which way it goes you like you do one of two things you either move the camera forward while panning out so it kind of keeps the person stationary while making the background shoot into the background or you move the camera back while zooming in i just forget which way it goes but that's that's how they do it it's a matter of zooming the camera and moving it at the same time Excellent. Um, that makes up for your lack of hat watch this week. What a film uh, bachelor's coming into use. <laughs> what? My bachelor degree is in film. Oh, <laughs> 
you know, every once in a while, it, it pays off. You know, you never know where. It's an unlikely spot. But hey, there you go. There you go. Wayne continues, token criticism. Well, I'm glad that Lee is finally acknowledging that Sugar Moda, uh, Sugar Mata still exists. I wish she'd had something to, you know, say or do this week. All y'all's wrong about Will's new hairdo. It's great. <laughs> so much less offensive to the eye than the previous model. Scene with Bill and Sue in the teacher's lounge. Another of Lee's greatest hits. It's a good little moment, well-written and acted. It feels like the stakes are much lower now, though, than they were a few years ago. Lee gets in more meta-criticism here, with Sue, once again, pointing out Will's talent for vague, bland aphorisms. This is Frank and Glee, stitched together from parts of previous long-dead episodes. When Sam does impressions, all I can focus on is that giant red mouth of his. Maybe that's why I keep guessing that he's doing the Joker instead of, say, George W. Bush. They all seem like the Joker to me. Yeah, I was impressed that Blaine caught the John Wayne impression, too, because I didn't. Oh, I did. Oh, okay. Although I think I... Did he do George Clinton also? Because I think I might have thought his George Bush was George Clinton. Was Bill Clinton, rather. (laughs) George, uh, Bill's brother? George? Yeah. I don't remember. (laughs) No, the funk superstar, George Clinton. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, every 18-year-old boy has that in his repertoire. (laughs) Bill Clinton. It's late. No, it's not. It's only 8.30, but I'm a little... It's, it's not yet 9. My my cell phone minutes haven't even kicked in yet, but anyway. <laughs> I had a lot of supposed to be stupid. <laughs> Oh, God. Side note. <laughs> I had 11 pumpkin coffee. Don't, don't. Waste don't it. have any it has... flavored 7-Eleven coffee ever. No, I usually don't, but I was at 7-Eleven. I saw it, and it felt like an adventure to try. Um, and it actually was a good thing, because as I've said before, I'm moving next month. And sure enough, right outside the subway by my apartment, they're building a 7-Eleven. And I'm kind of, I was kind of bummed because I'm like, oh, I love like when a 7-Eleven first opens and like that first week inside a 7-Eleven where it's all new and shiny. Um, and I'm probably not going to get to see that here. So I was a little sad, but then I went to the 7-Eleven at work and I had a shitty coffee. So now I'm angry at 7-Eleven. So I'm okay with that. Okay. Point being, 7-Eleven, co- pumpkin coffee, don't do it. Okay, um, Wayne continues. Is Sam supposed to be stupid? That changes from week to week. Britt knows what a debate is, but Sam doesn't. During the leather scene, Glee gets in a reference to Salo. Now, I was wondering if that was a reference to the movie Salo or um, just the area Salo. But uh, Wayne will explain, and then I'll go further if he doesn't. Um, if that name doesn't ring any bells, look it up. I've been waiting for this moment since I noticed that the bookstores were putting the Marquis de Sade's writing on display next to Fifty Shades of Grey. I knew the mainstream accepted acceptance of Salo was right around the corner. And now, well, it's being referenced on Glee. Mission accomplished. Erica, do you know what Salo or Salo is? Um, isn't it? A, it's a book. Isn't it a really terrible, like, horrible movie? Well, yeah. That's disgusting it, and gross and yeah. not to be watched. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would I know it from OTC, the name. I was going to say, yeah, as I start to like, it involves... Um, a lot of philias, P-H-I-L-I-A, um, that involve a lot of different bodily fluids and such. Yeah, it's not a movie to watch when you're um, having dinner or, like, you know, babysitting. Um, but kind of infamous. And actually, not a bad film in a lot of ways, but just, yeah, not a fun one. Um, but the kind of movie that you would not expect to be referenced on Glee. So, interesting choice. Um, but also, I don't know if... Um, the movie is based on a Marquis de Sade book, and I don't know if that's the same title, so it may actually be more referencing Marquis de Sade. I don't know, but regardless, um, risque reference, if you will. 
Okay. Another hallway scene looks like Brit and Sam are both due for campaign makeovers. Blaine asks Sam when his next free period is. Finally, another clue to understanding how Glee works. Free periods. The kids and Lee must have a bunch of them, and they must last days. All this leads to Brit and Sam singing one of Courtney Love's golden oldies. You know what? I'm going to applaud this, whatever others may think. It's somewhat imaginatively staged, and Hole isn't one of those go-to bands for Glee, so this gives him up a little more variety than we're used to. Later in the episode, Ace of Base will be disparaged, but that group is much more Glee's style. Anywho, all the flag twirling in the scene brought me right back to high school and the girls in something called the Color Guard. Did they have that at your school? Maybe it was called Flag Corps or something. Nope, it was called um, Color Guard. Yeah, we didn't have it in high school. We had it in middle school. We had Color Guard. Um, it was we had... kind of... Go ahead. You may. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, well, there was also ROTC Color Guard, which was different. But there was Color Guard was, my understanding of it, I was not in it, um, was that it was the dance group that chubby girls or girls who couldn't actually dance and couldn't be on the dance team or the cheerleading squad tried out for. They were in Color yep. Guard. That's exactly what yep. it was. We're Except we had, um, yep, it was girls who didn't make cheerleading. We had um, Kickline and Color Guard. It was one group. Okay. And then they kind of rotated within who did the flags and who did the actual kick line. But it was the generally uncoordinated or chubby girls who did not make cheerleading. Yeah, the the outfits were much more forgiving than... Um, see, we had one more because we had the dance team or the kick line was a separate group. And they were kind of like the actual girls who could dance. Whereas cheerleading was kind of more, I guess, athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was controversy because I remember when this happened because I had friends who were on the kick line and in like eighth grade they changed the uniforms for kick line to where they used to just be like kind of a leotard with a skirt they changed it to where it like showed your midriff oh. and a bunch of girls quit because they were like well I don't I don't want to show my midriff I'm you know which I mean I could understand if you know you don't have a midriff that you want to show when you're like 14 that's a big thing uh, I don't know if they then joined Color Guard, but they I'm sure they were welcome to because it was generally for fat girls. Um, we hope we answered your question, Wayne. He continues. All this leads to Brit and Sam singing one of Courtney Love's... Oh, I, I read that already. Um, Will's committee meeting is a great excuse to bring Mike Bull Hitchcock back on the show. It's been too long, man. I know you're a writer or a producer or something now, but I miss you, buddy. This character, the half-deaf choir director with the entirely deaf choir, has gone completely psycho since the last time we saw him. Huh, Hitchcock, psycho, that's a coincidence. His rants include some sharp references to extreme couponing, muscle relaxers, Meryl Streep, Demi Lovato, and Shane Triscuits. This is pretty much on par for Glee, of course, but I still got a kick out of it, and Will's story inches towards the inevitable. Anyone notice that Rachel is drinking the same kind of, I guess, coffee that the people at Vogue were having? I noticed because it looks like it's served in little yogurt containers. I didn't. Is he talking about the blue, was it the blue cup? I don't know. I didn't notice any coffee cups. Um, I mean, one thing I would say, Wayne, is a lot of delis, what happens is, like, there is the New York coffee cup that you'll actually see on Law & Order all the time that's blue. Um, and a lot of delis will have this coffee cup. Then you also just have, um, a lot of times, promotions will give, uh, what do you call the cardboard piece that goes over a coffee thing? Cup sleeve. Cup sleeve. Yes, it'll be that, but it will be like for the next season of New Girl. So you're walking around Manhattan and you could have gotten your coffee at West 4th Street. And somebody else could have gotten their coffee up at 180th, but you have the same coffee sleeve because that's what was, you know, given out to a whole bunch of delis. So I think that if that explains anything. Okay. 
<laughs> Rachel versus the Black Swans. Real subtle reference, Glee. I guess being compared to Lana Dunham is meant to be a put down. Man, Glee has really has it in for premium cable shows this week, huh? But here's the thing. Lana Dunham is super hot. Way hotter than those ballerina skanks. Did you know that more men... More men than women watch the show Girls. It's true. I don't because I'm too cheap to get whatever channel it's on. But my point remains valid nevertheless. Just like more women watched Oz, by the way. Oh, shit. I'm only halfway through this fucking episode. Time to pick up the pace. <clears throat> the mashup of The Way You Look Tonight and Your Never Fully Dressed Without Smile seems less like a harmonious blending of two songs and more like the second song rudely interrupting the first. <laughs> my judgment for the theme, like the rest of the show, it's cute, meaningless. I guess this was a little homage to Sarah Jessica Parker's plays playing Little Orphan Annie on Broadway. I wonder if she still secretly resents Aileen Quinn, who was the original Annie. Then it's time for Blaine and Kurt to reenact the Brittany Santana story from last week's episode. Come on, this is the same story twice, right? Emma really ought to get some actual walls for her office. I know she wants to give the appearance of always being available, hence the windows and open door, but a sense of privacy of being shut off from the rest of the school might let students open up more because they feel safe and secluded from prying eyes. So now Will is applying for the government-sponsored choir teacher, choir teacher equivalent of Niata. Is Emma going to stand in the way of Will's dreams? She is not. Big surprise. I wonder if this will be a snotty committee of members who will bully Will the way the swans just bullied Rachel. The debate scene. I guess Jacob's estimate of how many people would attend the debate was wrong, huh? In a way, I kind of like that neither Sue nor the audience takes this election one bit seriously. So instead of being an enormous emotional arc like last year's election was supposed to be, this is mainly just goofy, low-stakes fun. And it's all resolved in one episode. Huzzah! Jake has two nameless chicky poops with him. Uh, neither of them, Kitty, I noticed. While Marley sits alone. Neither of them says a damn thing, which is immeasurably great. You know what, though? Lee is trying too hard to make Stoner Brett a thing. It feels forced. Give him a few episodes off and try again. We don't need more after-school programs already. WMHS has a higher clip-to-student ratio than any school in recorded history. More Magic Mike type stuff with Sam. And the use of Party Rock Anthem is a callback. Nicely played, Glee. Blaine's apparently winning speech makes little sense if you actually pay attention to it. Yeah, but it was adorable, so it's okay. At first, I thought Brittany's speech was going to turn into a genuine emotional moment for the show. But no, it's just a setup for more ridiculousness. That's kind of a keynote for this episode. Speaking of ridiculousness, Kurt is basically a furry in a full wolf costume in the next scene. It's like couture furry. I can't believe that's not a thing yet. I'm trademarking it. Patent pending, patent pending. Think about it. Furries tend to wear such shapeless, unflattering costumes. Why not a more tailored look? Anyway, back to the show. I'm glad that Vogue didn't actually put Kurt's original video with Rachel on its website. It's more realistic that they would reshoot it their own way. And I was dreading a story in which the video makes Rachel famous or something and she becomes that girl overnight. I wasn't the one who predicted Kurt's future was in fashion. Others in our group, little group, did though. And I'm fine with that. Again, it gives the show a little variety. Yet more Rachel Brody flirting, then some Rachel Brody frolicking in a happy sunshine fantasy version of New York City. All very nice, but a bit overbearing, but I didn't need it. And I remain pretty firm on the issue of Rachel singing pop in this game of Shell Crow. I'm sorry, but I don't quite buy her as a pop singer. Broadway better? Sure. But she, a Broadway belter? Sure. But she, does, she just doesn't have that top 40 vibe to her, at least not to me. We disagreed over her Britney Spears number last week, but I just don't think pop is Leia Michelle's wheelhouse. The melodies are too simple for her voice in my opinion. I think we have to agree to disagree on this. In fairness, Wayne, I thought this song was boring to me. But, eh, you know, so we agree this week. The lyrics to this show, Crow Song, are fucking insane. Look them up. It's worth it. Did Leia just sing the words, Jack Off Jimmy, Everyone Wants More? Yes. Yes, she did. 
Becky in the xylophone in Sue's office. Another one from Glee's greatest hit. Still cute, though. But really, Glee, you're going to do this whole pretend to announce the winner, then cut to commercial thing. That stuff got tiresome on American Idol, and now you're aping it. Boo. To the surprise of no one, Blaine is the new prez. Brittany doesn't seem to care. And there's a celebration at what I think is supposed to be Breadsticks, the very restaurant which tried to kill Sarah Jessica Parker earlier in the show. In his scene with Sam, Blaine inadvertently reviews the episode. It just kind of feels like none of it matters. Oh, I guess we're seeing how Kurt and Blaine have drifted apart. And I think the show is laying the groundwork for this a Sam-Brittany romance. These stories neither excite nor bother me. I'm glad that Glee is taking the time to set these up. But I'm not dying to find out what happens next. Are you? Erica? Not so much. Yeah. I mean, again, if Brittany and Sam become a thing, I will appreciate the fact that for once Glee actually built it. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Yeah. I would also be happy for them to be friends. Al Gore didn't actually win an Oscar, despite what he likes to say. He was in a movie that won an Oscar. And the award went to the people who made that movie. Charlie Sheen, strangely enough, says the same thing about Platoon. So Al and Charlie both think they've won Oscars. <laughs> After a nice little Sue Will scene, which largely coasts on by nostalgia for a plea, the episode wraps up with a Brody-Rachel Finn triangle. Brunchel? I mentioned Audrey Hepburn earlier, and here the episode makes the Audrey equals Rachel comparison explicit with the blatant use of Moon River. I thought that was maybe overdoing it. I can't even pretend I'm interested in this story thread, unless one of these people in the love triangle kills one another of the people. I just don't care how this plays out. I mean, Brody's okay, but I kind of wanted to get to know Rachel on her own for a while, and Gilly's already hooking her up with some dude. And next week she's going to be all, like, crying and shit. The best thing about this is that Cory Monheath, at least in my memory, doesn't get any lines in this episode. <laughs> I did think he could top itself in the predictable ending department, but they did it this week. Did anyone not guess who was at the door? So that was a makeover. All in all, fun, diverting way to spend an hour, but nothing really necessary. It covered a lot of ground, which Glee has already covered, and helped set up a few stories which don't really seem to be all that appetizing. I don't know, ladies. I just want to be excited for this show again. Know what I mean? 19 more chances this season. 19 more attempts to get Wayne Kotke to care. Um, and he also added a link in his email, Erica. That's a YouTube. Um, asking if we could end so with that. Of course. If you want to look into it. Okay. Um, yeah, Wayne, no, I think we agree on the general feel of this episode, which was, it was fun. It had a lot of cute stuff happening. It was an enjoyable 45 minutes, but it also kind of meant nothing. Yep, pretty much. Um, that being said, it seems like the next episode is supposed to be the big stuff changes episode. Yep. So, you know, which I think is what we need right now. As... Uh... As long as they follow through, I don't know. As, as long as Rachel and Finn break up, that's fine. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> but I feel like they're going to break up Blaine and Kurt, but ultimately just put them back together. Because they're going to get all the backlash. I, I mean, maybe, but maybe they'll be strong enough to work through. I don't know. Because, I mean, couples break up. When you're 18, 90% of couples who are 18 do not last and get married. And 90% of the ones that do end up probably getting divorced. So, yeah, break them up. Do it. We can handle it. Okay. Okay. I think on that's that note, what you're going to get, so. Yeah, we'll find out. Um, on that note, uh, you can find us at our Facebook group page. Can you not, Erica? You can. You can go on Facebook and search for Gleecast. That's Gleecast with a K, G-L-E-E-K-A-S-T. Um, and then you could friend us from there. Indeed. Um, on Twitter, I'm still kind of there. Deadly Dolls. Erica, are you just not even? I, 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 yeah, I'm not there. Okay. Um, you can find my <laughs> blog, deadlydollshouse.com. 
Um, and uh, do we have anything else? Um, you can send us feedback at gleecast at gmail.com. All right. And uh, we and, will... You know, everyone has fancy smartphones now. You can record an MP3 on your phone and email it to us and we could play it. That, that That's is also a, true. I haven't mentioned that in a long time, but that is a possibility. People have done that before. We could, we could yeah. do that. Erica so, is smart and can figure out how to actually make it happen. Yes. So know. if anyone feels so inclined that they don't want to sit down and write and they want to just, you know, give us three minutes of their reactions to their episodes, then do that by all means. Yeah. It, it, it makes for a fun switch up, too. Yes. And most of your computers probably have a recorder on there. You know, just open up your GarageBand if you have a Mac or whatever you got. Um, and it's pretty easy. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, yep. So we'll see you next week. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Sarah Jessica Parker.